So uh, it was several years ago and we were working with the Detroit Pistons and the Palace and Auburn Hills, really great organization. Now, these NBA teams, they don't really have a lot of offices. So our team was working in the basement in one of the party suites, you know, that they use for the games. And it was a Monday or Tuesday night. My team went back and I'm there. I'm finishing up. It's about 730 and 8. And I'm going to go get some food at the hotel. Well, I walk out of the room and it's pitch black. Now, I don't really get scared that often, but there's something about being in an NBA arena by <laughs> yourself in pitch black and not knowing how the hell to get out. <laughs> oh, wow. So, um, you know, feeling down the walls. Uh, this was the first year we started the company. I still had my BlackBerry, so I didn't even have the fancy flashlight on my iPhone because there was no <laughs> iPhone. The BlackBerry right. didn't give off that much light. So I'm stumbling and trying to find my way around. It took me 30 minutes to figure out how to get out of the basement, and I was worried I was going to someone's going to jump out and kill me. You know? <laughs> oh my gosh! So that was kind of crazy. Um, and I think if I would have had something to predict the way for me, light up the path, or you know, in this case, of course, AI to show me how to get out of the dark in a strange building in the middle <laughs> of the night. <laughs> that would have been a good thing. Yes. So uh, I'm Jeff Pedowitz, and I'm an insurance dude, or at least for today, an honorary insurance dude. Insurance dudes are on a mission to escape being handcuffed by our agencies. How? By uncovering the secrets to creating a predictable, consistent, and profitable agency sales machine. I am Craig Pretzinger. I am Jason Feldman. We are agents. We are insurance dudes. Yes. Boom. <laughs> Thank Welcome. you, Jeff. Welcome. Yeah. No awesome problem. To have you Thank on the show, guys. Jeff. Why don't you tell our our audience of insurance dudes and dudettes a little bit about yourself, and we'll dive in. Well, I certainly own a lot of insurance, uh, uh-huh. and I, I buy it both <laughs> for my business and and for my family. So I understand how important that is. But my day job, I actually run the Pedowitz Group, and we are a consulting firm that helps sales and marketing leaders drive more revenue, but in a scalable way. So Mm -hmm. we help them figure out better strategies, better processes, how to leverage technology, and then how to execute at scale. Uh, Whether you are an individual insurance agent, you run a big practice, or you're a multi-billion dollar corporation, we all can scale better. There's only so many hours in the day, and life's getting harder all the time. Mm, Yep. So how, how did you get into that? Well, that's a, it's a, actually a really great question. This is the third business I've owned. So for all the entrepreneurs that listen to this podcast, I can appreciate you know just how hard it is to hang your own shingle and build that practice. Yeah. My first business, I owned and operated 35 Subway sandwich shops up in New Jersey. So I wow. am a certified sandwich artist. So just in case everyone <laughs> during this podcast, I can, I can crank out. Coca Combo. Did you so own 35? 35. Wow. Yeah, so that was one franchise that I was looking into years, long time ago. It was very cool. So the reason why I start there is you know, I was a teenager and I worked a lot in the restaurant business. I was a busboy, maitre d' and waiter, and I learned a lot about processes from the from the Greek diner, the Greek diners, and the owners that I worked for. And then working for a franchise like Subway and, and making sure all the franchisees that we were operating were being consistent and and doing things the right way. Because believe it or not. 
owners, they thought they could do whatever they wanted. They want to make pizza and hamburgers and do all kinds <laughs> of stuff. They're like, no, 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 this is a sandwich shop. You can't do that. Today. Yeah. Um, so that, and then I, I had always loved computers and software. So, you know, after, uh, this is the early nineties. So after, you know, working in this for seven years and doing this with my dad and my friends razzing me endlessly because they were all <laughs> software. And they're like, dude, what are you going to make sandwiches for the rest of your life? You know, the <laughs> dot com era is getting going. The internet's getting going. So uh, I sold out my uh, shares in, in, in our subway operation and I got into computers and software. So I uh, started working in computer associates and then I worked in marketing and I worked in consulting. Uh, and then I got into sales training. So I did that in the early 2000s. Uh, then we started having kids and raising a family, and and uh, I ended up working for a, a company called SalesNet, which was an early competitor of Salesforce. The reason why I love working for them is they had a process engine that they used at the time that was built around sales training methodologies. So there's this consistent theme in my life, process, operations, technology, <laughs> marketing, sales. Uh, my job at SalesNet was to recruit sales trainers like Miller Hyman or value selling or integrity selling and so on, Samler, and get them to build their methodologies inside the, the software. So in, in order to recruit them and generate leads, we ended up discovering a company called Eloqua, which was the first marketing automation platform that, that hit the market back in 2000, 2001. Uh, and I, I fell in love with the whole platform the application had everything that I loved. It had process that had, it was software it was marketing it was sales uh so i ended up going to work for them and i became their first head of professional services and we built out a lot of practices helped train a lot of their early partners on how to actually drive demand generation and i saw them growing their businesses with ip that me and our team were coming up with and i'm like hey i can do this yeah so uh yeah so uh left eloqua started the pedowitz group and have not looked back 16, 17 years later. Wow, super cool. What crazy changes have happened in the last 16, 17 years and to be a part of it that whole time? So, so cool. So much. Well, I, I mean, as I mentioned, when we started, uh, the smartphone had not come out yet. Yeah. Mm. Later that year. So that's a big one, right? Yeah. Uh, and and uh, I had my Crackberry, I guess, like everybody else. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. Well, there was no TikTok. There was no huh. Instagram. Uh, YouTube had just started. Facebook was three years old. There was no Twitter yet. So uh, there was no streaming services, right? Um, yeah. So a lot, a lot has changed in just, you know, the past 15 years or so. And that, of course, and that was even while AI, AI was around, not like now, you know, like not, not all the stuff that we're seeing in, 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 in the world. So uh, yeah. And uh, now that the buying cycle was already starting to change. And I think those of us that are in sales, we're already starting to see the shift. It didn't matter what we sold, but people are engaging more digitally. By this point, Amazon had established itself really well. Mm -hmm. Netflix was not as dominant back in 2007, but certainly was taking a good run. And, and people are starting to get used out of getting what they want when they want it right now. Mm -hmm. uh, and people started using the uh, search engines more, using the internet more. And for those of us in sales who we were used to building relationships, meeting people at the dinner table or going to the golf course or taking them out for a dinner, we had, did more of that now at trade shows versus in a, in a, in a more intimate way. Uh, and, and we got further and further removed from our customer because they were able to make more and more decisions on their own. Mm. Uh, and so as technology enters our world, 
as different generations buy differently and engage differently. For those of us that are in sales and marketing and trying to build our businesses and where is our own comfort level with, with technology? Cause we certainly grew up very differently, at least, you know, without me giving my age away, grew up very differently. So, you know, the ability to reach our customers and, and leverage technology to do it, especially when we're not as familiar or comfortable with technology, that's, that's a challenge. Yeah. How are businesses handling that now, especially in the last couple years to, to your point of AI and stuff? I mean, the growth that's happening now in computers and technology is incredible. A, a lot of different ways, you know, and obviously the tools and some of the things that you do are going to be different if you're a solopreneur or have mm. a small practice versus you have a hundred agents you know, working for you, the budget that you have, the decisions that you make are proportional. Uh, but, but it does start with data um, and, and science and moving away from gut feel. Now, relationships, of course, are always going to be important in our business. You know, we, we live and die by our relationships, but in order to get the relationship, we have to get in front of them first. We have to be able to build value. We have to do that. And it does start with data. That I don't mean going out and buying a bunch of lists and spamming everybody or uploading a bunch of names from a trade show. We might as well just pick up the phone and start cold calling and, you know, maybe we'll get an appointment every thousand calls or so. It, it, it's just not practical. I'm talking about data that comes from people searching for things on our website, uh, third-party intent, engaging with our content, starting to build up audiences on social channels. Maybe it's LinkedIn, maybe generating followers on, on Instagram. And, you know, for those of us that are older, we look at some of these channels, it feels weird. Mm -hmm. That's not how we used to work. I, we, you know, we, we would meet people at, at shows. We get information from the radio or the television or the newspaper, this whole concept of, an influencer or social media or, or likes, what does that even mean? But here's the reality. All these kids, they're coming into the workforce. Guess what? They're going to need to buy insurance, right? They're going to need car insurance. They're going to get their first home. They're going to start their life cycles just like we are. You know, some of us are at various stages of life cycle. So we have to adjust. So it does start with data, first of all. Second, it, it, it's really looking at processes that you may or may not have in place so that you can start to scale your business. I mean, you can have processes even if you're one person. Yeah. How, how do we get everything done that we need to get done in a day if we don't have checklists and procedures and things that we can follow? And with tools like AI, it can help us to start automate some of these things that are time consuming. I mean, writing bids, writing proposals, correspondence, doing research. We do this every day. It takes time. Right. AI can do this, these things in seconds and freeze up our time so we can get another round of golf in or so we can get in front of another customer. So those are some of the important things. There is a lot of technology out there and it can be easy to get overwhelmed by it. But start off with some basics. How about a, even a cheap CRM system? you know, that, that can manage your, your relationships. They're not that expensive. You can get a few seats on Salesforce. You can go with a HubSpot. Um, there are so many other platforms. And of course, there are specific CRM platforms for insurance and financial services. Um, and getting some kind of marketing capability, even if it's email, cheetah mail, or something like that, or you want to go with a Marketo, a Pardot, a HubSpot, an Acton. Again, these tools are very reasonable uh, mm -hmm. overall. They allow you to start building marketing campaigns, doing email nurtures, 
they allow you to start scoring your activity of your leads. So, okay, today's my sales call day. Instead of just making 20 calls, it would be awesome if I can call the 20 people that I know are really mm-hmm. interested in their own market. So those are some of the basic building blocks, right? And then, of course, we get into this whole world of AI. What does it even mean? You know, are the machines coming? Are we talking about a terminator <laughs> situation here? Are we all going to lose our jobs? You know, it yep. goes on and on. Yeah. No. Okay. <laughs> um, we're not going to lose our jobs, but I'll tell you this. We're going to lose our jobs to people that can use AI better than we can. A hundred percent. Yep. You know, that's for sure. And so it doesn't matter if you're 22 and you're just getting started and, and, and you just got your Series 7 or you've been doing this for 30 years and you've got a built up client and you got people doing it. You got to learn how to use this. Right. Because your competitors are already starting to use it. They're going to outpoint you. They're going to outmaneuver you and they're going to beat you. Yep. The people that are using it are Netflix. The people that aren't are Blockbuster. <laughs> yep. You I mean, really, at the end of the day, market. dude, they're block. You're, if you aren't, if you do not have a Chat GPT account, you are blockbuster. And and look, it's free. What's your excuse? And <laughs> you're right. even at twenty dollars a month, it's not that expensive. If you go with the premium version, I'm sure everyone right. bear that. Yeah, it's pretty inexpensive, and it's pretty amazing. Just to help with ideas, you know, you come up with, it, it, even at the very smallest level. I think it could it could be really be useful. Even How, to even to just get your toes wet, you don't even have to use it for business, but you have to understand these concepts that are now introduced into our landscape that will be on the forefront of what's happening a few years from now in all businesses, right? Like the last thing you want to do is enter into the conversation after the conversation's been going for five years. Yeah. Well, you don't want to be grandpa trying to be cool at the kid's birthday party, right? Right. No, it's important. Right. And so so there's, yeah, you know, so, uh, so I started my career 1990. There's been two generational forces before this, the the rise (laughs) of the internet, right? And then as an outcome of that search and social media, the smartphone, um, and now generative AI. Now I'm specifically saying generative AI and not AI because AI it's actually been around since the 50s, Alan Turing, manufacturers yeah. and big companies. And you know what? Even insurance actuaries have been using AI for a long time you know, to figure out how to price and, and set up brokerage. But on, on our side, the brokerage side, the sales side, no, this is very new to us. right? But, but, so, but a platform like ChatGPT, this is going to be once in a generation. Uh, and whether you go to McKinsey or, you know, um, Moody's or any, they're all talking about this is going to be trillions, trillions of dollars of, of economic growth and impact related to AI and generative AI in the next five to 10 years. Mm-hmm. And that's going to impact every single industry, including insurance. I yeah. hope all the growth isn't just because they're printing more money. <laughs> right. <No. laughs> um, but certainly with the, uh, all the risk, right. boy, if I was an insurance agent trying to sell risk mitigation, I mean, that there's, there's a lot. So if you're doing cyber, you know, uh, some of those types of policies, they're going to go up a yeah. lot. Um, adding AI riders, uh, privacy and compliance, security, Sarbanes-Oxley. I mean, you know, there's there's going to be big money yeah. um, in, in this area. And, you know, the challenge, though, with a chat GPT, it is accessible. It's a fantastic as a muse, but it is public. And, and so anything that you put in can go into the, the public training data. So you really have to be careful that you're not putting in confidential client data or personal identifiable information into it. You know, you're trying to get a quote, 
you're trying to do some um, bid, you can't put in the person's name, social security number, and and all their stuff, right? You have to genericize it first before you put it in. Yeah. You hear that, yeah. Jason? You can't have it order you food and put your credit card in there. <laughs> I keep telling no. it. No, no, no. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm curious because you're talking to so many different businesses and business owners of all different sizes. What is something that you would see, like the biggest mistake you see across the board amongst many different sized agencies as they try to, or I'm sorry, businesses as they try to scale, like from the solopreneur all the way up, like do people make the similar mistakes? Yeah, I, over and over again. First of all, um, the technology itself is not a strategy. Right. So yes, right. you know, you should be experimenting and getting your team on chat GPT and starting to use these AI applications, right. but without a plan, what is it that you want your team to do? You know, you know what's your use case? Are you yeah. trying to increase productivity? Are you trying to improve your sales motion? Are you trying to improve your go to market? Are you trying to come up with new products? Don't try and boil the ocean. Come <laughs> up with a few good use cases that even without AI, this would be things that you would talk about as a business executive anyway, because they're they're impacting your business. And then ask yourself, if I were to apply AI strategically to this problem, what would that look like? Mm. That's that's the best place to start. Second, you got to get the data right. At the end of the day, yes, you know, we talk about AI, it is incredibly powerful and it can blow your mind away, but it's still just software, it's a machine. And then the machine is going to work with the data that we put in and then spit it out at light speed. So if you're putting in bad data and you haven't taken time to clean up your data, you're going to get a lot of crap out. And if you're going to start making major business decisions, economic decisions based upon something that AI tells you to do, and you start with bad data and then you don't validate what it's telling you, you just blindly follow it, well, you know, shame on you because you're going to be upside down in a hurry. But I'd say those are probably the two biggest areas. It's, it's a lack of a plan and not getting the data right. And I love what you said about putting the technology first because it's like a theme that I've seen just in general with businesses is a new technology will come out and it's like, we're going to get this thing and then we're going to figure out like we're going to use this thing to just do something, right? Without having that plan. 